This Week in Tennis. Hey, Craig, can you believe a top-ranked player is blaming a meeting on his poor performance at the Miami Open? Um, I, I've heard sillier things, but, um, you know, it's, it's crazy times, right? It sure is. Welcome to This Week in Tennis. My name is Phil Nasons. He's Craig Doyle, and we are the best tennis handicapping team in the world. No one can touch us. Everything is documented because we give all our picks away for free on this podcast. You can catch us every night at 7 p.m. Eastern on CSN Sports Radio. Find us at every podcast, Catch Your Known to Man, or you can head on over to philnasonshow.com where this show currently resides. Craig, I got to tell you, big shout out to James Blake. You know, I, I pushed him a little bit to get that draw out. But I didn't realize that the draw was actually being done on Sunday because of all the COVID and the qualifiers and such. But what's going on with with my friend here, this young fella from Canada? His name is, might as well say it, Vasek Pospisal. What is the deal with this kid? Well, Vasek Pospisal is... Uh... Maybe just gotten a little bit too big for his boots. You know, he's punching above his weight. He, he's entered into the uh, heavyweights class when, mm, you know, let's put that name out there again. Vasek Post. So does everybody know this guy? Right, exactly. <laughs> so he's um, making a little bit of a stir at the minute. You, you, you maybe want to talk us through exactly what's happened, then we can go into detail on, on possibly why it's happened. Okay, first of all, we have to go back a ways. Now, we've already talked about it on this show. But back in August of 2020, Novak Djokovic resigned as the ATP Player Council president because he wants to start his own professional tennis organization with just players with the, I guess, the express purpose being to get more players more money. I guess that's what it is. Obviously, the ATP Council and the ATP Tour is not a big fan of this. They met with Pospisil before the Miami Open, and apparently Pospisil didn't like what he was told. And he acted like a true child on the tennis court. He ended up losing in three sets to Mackenzie McDonald from the United States in the first round of this event. And I got to tell you, he did not do himself any favors at all. Now, this is what he claims, Craig. He claims for an hour and a half yesterday, chair of the ATP screaming at me in a players meeting for trying to unite the players. For an hour and a half, he says. The leader of the ATP, get him out of here. Why am I supporting this? If you want to default me, I will gladly sue this entire organization. Well, now, wow. And then he apologized after a he, he went off on chair umpires and blamed everybody but his own poor play and his own bad idea to follow Novak Djokovic anywhere. Personally, I wouldn't follow Novak Djokovic out of a burning building, but that's just me. Now, Pospisil, he says, the meeting with the ATP Tour unnerved him. Go ahead, Craig. <laughs> So uh, this is a guy who can't separate his on-the-court life from his off-the-court off life, for starters. Um, 
I just want to try and put into perspective who this guy is, because I think a lot of people listening are either going to say they've never heard of this guy or they don't know a lot about him. Um, so he's 30 years old. He's not a new player on the tour. He's been around for a while. He has achieved a career-high ranking of 25 in the world, and that was back in 2014. So this guy's on the downslope. He's sitting around about mid-60s in the rankings at the minute. So, you know, if you want to be blunt, this guy's relatively insignificant to the average fan. He's not a money draw. He's not selling tickets. He's not going to appear on center court unless he's playing against a star or he reaches uh, the latest stages of a big tournament. But let's be honest, this guy's never won a singles title on the ATP Tour. Um, the, the organization that he is feuding with the, the leader of, he has never won a singles title. In fact, he has a losing record on the Tour of 122155. So he's not even close to breaking even in terms of match wins. Um, this is what you and I would refer to as a journeyman player. Now, I, I appreciate some aspects of this guy's personality. He's uh, stepped up and he's put himself on the player council before. Obviously, he's, he's not there now. He now resides with Novak Djokovic's um, player association. But all the signs to me about this guy point to the fact that he would really like some more money. He would like the ATP to be paying more money to the players. I look at his career. He's won $6 million in prize money in singles and doubles combined. He's had a little bit more success on the doubles. He's won seven titles there. But this guy's not making big career money out of tennis. Sure, $6 million. We'd all love to have that in their bank account after you know, 10 years on the tennis tour. But this guy's going to have big overheads. He's looking to set himself up for life. And I can see maybe why he's arguing. But is he the right person to be doing this? Does he have the stroke to put himself in this position and start arguing with the ATP and then come out and throw the toys out of the pram on the court the next day in the tournament? No, he doesn't. You know, had Novak Djokovic come out and done that, we'd be saying the same things. However, Novak Djokovic, he's not going to do that. Nope, so he sure isn't. Absolutely. And we, we look at this guy, Pospisil, he just fits the model of someone who would like to be Novak Djokovic. Let's have a look at uh, a few more details of his, his life. He's uh, from Canada. You know, you, you brought that up. He's a Canadian player. He's been on the tour for a while. He resides in the Bahamas. So much like Novak Djokovic, you know, he's, he's a big fan of where he comes from. So he, he resides there and he brings all his money back home. Not really. Um so, so this is a guy who's, who's looking for the easy way out from me. He's looking for uh, bigger paydays. He's not got that many years left on the tour because he's hit 30 years old and he's you know 67 in the rankings at the minute. He's not on the upwards curve. He's going to find it difficult to qualify for the big tournaments with the big money. He's looking for a payday. That's what we're dealing with here. And we're dealing with someone who has a really, really bad attitude towards it. Uh, the fact that he brought up the idea that he was going to sue if he got defaulted. Can you imagine the kind of worms that that opens if players start suing because they don't like a decision on the court? I, I mean, I said it was crazy times at the head of the show. Can you imagine where this could go? This could go a lot of places. Let's go backtrack a bit, though. First of all, Vasek Pospisil is a success. 
You make it to 25 in the world, you're a success. I don't care how you did it. You don't buy those points at the supermarket. He got there. Congratulations. He's in the top 100 in the world. Congratulations once again. He's a successful doubles player. Congratulations again. But nobody watches doubles and nobody gives a rat's ass about doubles except for when the Bryan brothers were playing. That's just a fact. Okay, now, when you talk about money, of course he wants it. But listen, if you've made $6 million in your career and you probably had the funding from the United or from the Canada Tennis Association to back you up to pay for your coaching, pay for your training expenses, pay for your travel, I would say he should have already set himself up for life. And I'm sure he has. But that being said, this is a bad fight for these people. Novak Djokovic started it. He wasn't at the meeting physically because he didn't even bother to turn up for the tournament. Now, I don't know about that but or what that means, but it appears that Pospisil, and John Isner's involved, and there's many other players kind of involved. They're not really voicing their... They're not voicing their support, but maybe they are behind closed doors and wait to see what happens. But the ATP tour has been around a long time. Does it need to be changed, maybe? Does it need to be fixed monetarily for the players below the top 100? Maybe you can make an argument for that. But once you do that, you take away an incentive to play better. All you're doing now with that is allowing mediocre players to survive a lot longer than they should have and to take the spot of some young guy or young girl coming up. Well, the girls aren't involved in this because, you know what, they like what they have with the WTA Tour, and why wouldn't they? The ATP Tour is a great organization. has been since its inception in 1972. They're huge. They have the support of Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, and Andy Murray. Those are the big three. Novak Djokovic, I don't know why he even involves himself in this. He already has enough weight. He already has enough influence, Craig. He can get done what he needs to get done because we've seen him do it in the past. What this is, it seems to be like running for class president, Craig. He's looking to be popular amongst the players because he's not very popular, really. People really don't like him. That's a common fact. And it's not because he wins. You know, you can get over that. They just don't like him, Greg. And that's and following this kid is a bad idea. Look what happened last spring with the uh I can't even remember what his tour was, but they all ended up catching coronavirus. I mean, who wants to follow a, someone like that, Greg? I don't get the whole point. You know, there's ways to make more money for these players if you, that's what you want to do, but to uh break off with a bunch of mediocre players behind you, I don't think it's going to happen, Craig. I think there's more smoke than uh, fire here. You're right. Um, so that was the Adria tour last year with Novak Djokovic oh, right. when he decided to go into business for himself, you know, um, trying to make a bit of money while tennis was away. And what's the, what's the most popular way? What's the way to make yourself most popular with your peers? Oh, I'll give, tell you what it is. It's give, to make them more money. Absolutely. You got that right. So you, so you brought up an interesting point. Nobody really likes this Novak Djokovic kid. Um, not around the tour. And it's, uh, you're right. It's not because he's winning matches. Because Roger Federer is winning matches. Uh, Rafael Nadal is winning matches. Andy Murray won matches for a while. And these guys remain popular in the locker room. Um, 
sure there's, there's players out there that don't like anybody, but generally you speak to another player, they've got a lot of respect for Roger Federer and they're usually on better terms and just having respect for him. And it's the same with Rafael Nadal. When you speak to someone about Novak Djokovic, he's a very, very polarizing person. Either you're in good graces with him or quite simply you don't like him. And I can bet you if you were to take a survey of, of, of the top 100 players, and most of the players are in the Djokovic camp will uh, be the younger players who, who don't really know the guy that, that like him. The, the older guys who have been around him for a long time, I think you'll probably find that they'll be relatively indifferent towards the guy. Um, that's just from my experience of, of being around him on the tour. That's the impression I've got, and I, I don't think that's changed over the years. But you're absolutely right. His aim here with this players' council and, and this attempts to get more money for the ADB players is popularity. That's what he craves. He's got everything else. He's got the titles. He's got the weeks at number one. He's got a lot of grand slams. He's got the money in his account. He's got a family. He's got a nice move to uh, Monte Carlo or wherever it is he's living now. He doesn't have to go out and play 25 tournaments every year. He's in a really good situation for life. All he needs now is to have the popularity, and that's what he wants to, uh, as a as a footnote to his career. So, why would you follow him? You know, following Djokovic is, is effectively stepping into what he wants you to do. I'm sure if you think you're going to get more money, you're going to go that way. But it's interesting how this is all played out with these player councils and this new players' association. It's not the new players association really isn't being backed by a lot of the guys who've been on the tour a long time. They, they can see through what's happening, whereas it's uh, a lot of guys who are not in the top 50 and who are looking to make more money are quickly jumping on the bandwagon that this new players association might be their way to get more money out of the ATP. It's nothing we haven't seen before. And I think, as you said, there's a lot more smoke here than there is fire right now. Well, you know, back in 2015, the ITF came out and said, you know what, we need a rival tour to compete with the ATP because they weren't getting along with the ITF. You remember that? But now it doesn't matter. The ATP tour is there to stay. Whatever they do, they do. But you know what, if you want to watch, what you know what, you can learn a lot about an organization based on their history. Novak has a history of... Uh, COVID-19 related uh, tournaments because you get more than you bargain for when you go there. I wouldn't, like I said, I wouldn't follow him out of a burning building. And I would suggest strongly from a guy who's been around a lot longer than these kids that I would stay with the ATP because Novak Djokovic's tour, they're not going to have anything for you for your future. At least with the ATP tour, you can get involved in the uh, retirement funds and you can get some extra help. I don't think you're going to get anything other than giving Novak an opportunity to say, look, look how many people like me. See, it doesn't matter that my peers don't. And that's fine. You know what? Tennis isn't a popularity contest, and that's fair. But when you start fighting the people that you already know you can bend around your little finger, then it becomes something different. seems to me personal, and only he will gain. In the end, only he will gain, because where are they going to play these tournaments? How are they going to fund themselves? No, they never say anything about that, do they? So forget about these guys. This is, like I said, a lot more smoke than anything else. But I'll tell you what, the Miami Open is rolling, brother. Rolling. And uh, we've got a bunch of matches here that we can actually give out some picks for, Craig. 
for the next couple of days. Now, they have matches today, obviously, and we won't even touch those. But there's a whole section of the draw that has to play this weekend on both sides of the tour. You're looking at the second round for some of these guys. And I think we should start with the men since that's what I pulled up first. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Let's have a go. Are we starting at the round of 64? Are we round of 32? Or we're on 32 now. We're, we're, in this, we're right now, Craig, I believe we're in, this, we're in round two of the men's that are going to be played tomorrow. That would start with uh, your boy Sinners in there. But uh, let me see. Yep, no, Sinners playing today. Now, hold on here. I got it right here. We're going to start with uh, Diego Schwartzman. He's taking on Yushiyama from Japan. Diego Schwartzman got a bye in the first round. Yukiyama defeated Caruso in straight sets. And this should be a good matchup for Schwartzman. I think Schwartzman has got this one in the bag, though. Yeah, and I love this tournament for these South American players, and I know they love the conditions down in Miami. You know, that um, humidity, etc. you get down there, it really suits him. And we've seen a lot of great performances in Miami over the years from guys like Del Potro. So I'm going to be backing Schwartzman in this one. I would too. You know, you make a good point. They're comfortable there. And they have a lot of uh, South American residents in that area who probably managed to get a ticket or two somehow. He's going to feel comfortable there. That's the most important thing. You know, tennis is a road game. You don't get too many home matches. Even if you're playing in your own country, it's not really a home match for you. And this technically would be because there's a big influence down there. Now, we've got another one here, Craig. This one here, I think this could be more interesting than it looks on paper. And that's Kek, Kekmanovic versus Manorino, the 25th seed. He got a buy in the first round. Kekmanovic beat Brody from your country in three sets. Who are you liking this one? Yeah, I'm straight in on Manorino. You know, I like Manorino maybe not as much as you do. I know you like to back him, and he's been a big money earner for you over the years. But um, looking at the result from that first round, um, Kekmanovic against Brody, it, it looked like Brody may have given Kekmanovic a few issues. I know that Brody's pretty good on serve, but yeah, Minorino's got a lot of quality. He's he's not ranked way up there in the world for no reason. You got that right. You know his return to serve is pretty good. I like Manorino in this one too, but I don't know if it goes straight sets. That's the one thing I don't know because if Manorino's serve is a little bit off, it could be ugly, and it could last a long time. But winning ugly is something Manorino does, and yes, I, I've been very fortunate to back him on several occasions that turned out quite well. So we got Manorino here. Now, we're not going to put anything up on the website. We're, the, all the picks are going to be here today. We're not even going to write them down. I'm still under the weather. I won't get into details. Craig knows, and it's all good because he's comfortable with this because we've been doing this for a decade. Now, here we go. This one here could be good. I really am excited for this one. Of course, I can't watch it here because it's not on TV in America, it seems. But Karatsev, the 17th seed, is going to play against my boy Kukushkin. Kukushkin. Kukushkin knocked off Draper on a walkover, I think, is what happened there because there is no score. Who do you like in this one? You know, had you asked me last year, I would have said uh, Kukushkin every Absolutely single time. Absolutely, yes. But um, Aslan Karatsev, that run to the semifinals from being a qualifier to Australian Open, 
And then he played in uh, Doha and he lost to Dominic Thiem in three sets, which was a pretty close game. And then he won in Dubai. I mean, his first ever title, he won in Dubai. Um, he had a pretty good run there, including a, a, a nice win over Sinner and a, a, an even nicer one over Andre Rublev. Um, I, I really like this guy. And I, I think like he's really taken to these hard courts and, I'm going to back him here, and I'm I'm probably going to back this guy for a few rounds. I, I think he's got something. He really does. I think he does, too. Um, I'm a big fan of Kukushkin. He's a great first-round sleeper, usually, because this kid can light it up. He can serve hard, but he knows how to serve, meaning he knows where to put the ball also. That's important as well. You know, these guys can get back these bangers. Hell, I can get those back if I know where it's coming, of course. But Kukushkin... Yeah, I like him, but I don't like him enough. I, I'm with you on this Karasif kid. He was impressive in Australia. You know, and then in subsequent tournaments, he did okay as a as a favorite. You know, a lot of these guys are better underdogs, as you know. That's why we pick so many winners with these underdogs. You got to go with Karasif. You know, even if he does lose, it'll be a tight match. I would say this goes three sets, though, Craig. I think Kukushkin keeps him out there for three sets, though. I, I really believe that. So you might want to look at the over in this match. Yeah, no, really good shout. I, I know a few of uh, Karatsev's matches have gone a little a little further. So, um, yeah, why not? Why why not? Let's have a go in three sets. That's uh, it's, it's maybe where, we, where the value is going to be on this one. I think you're right. Now, this match here, I love Sebi Korda. You know, his father, I think the world of, what a fantastic father, what a fantastic tennis player, if you remember. And he's he has to play Fabio Fognini. Now, Korda knocked off Albert in straight sets pretty easily. Now he has to play Fognini coming off a bye. What do you like about this match? And by the way, Fognini is the 10th seed in this event. Ah, uh, yeah, this is uh, interesting because yes. um, if he's even a fraction of the player that Peter Cordo was, um, Peter Cordo, of course, a former Australian Open winner, reached the final at the French Open, um, quarterfinalist at the US Open as well, and at Wimbledon. So, you know, we're talking about a, a seriously, seriously good uh, tennis player. I think he even made it up as far as at least number two in the world. I can't remember if he ever made it to one. He never made it um, to one, but he came close, I think. Very, very close. Um, uh, in the world and singles um, he, he had a, a very good record and I'm just looking at this young man Sebastian Corder and he's already got a, a 9-7 record on the tour, he's 6-3 this year yeah, he's got huge upside hasn't he, 20 years old wow, this is uh, this is going to be close he's coming off a win too, a tournament win I think it's his second career title who you like though I know it's going to be close because uh, you never know with Fognini though, that's the problem yeah, like Fognini, he can put out Nadal one day, then he can collapse to someone, you know, ranked outside the top 100 the next. I'm going to go big and I'm going to go on Carter here. This is going to be me taking a gamble. I like him. I like the look of him. He's got a great coach and his father. I just think, like, he's he's based in the Florida area, I believe. Yep. Um, this everything here suggests that if he's going to make a splash, he's going to get rid of Fognini here, and I'm I'm going to back him to do it. I like this match. I really like this match. But court is hot. I don't like to go on long shots like this. I don't like to jump out on a limb like this. 
You know, Corda also, Peter Corda's daughters are also both professional golfers. Did you know that? Love a little bit of trivia for you there. Well, there you go. And they're successful already, and they're very young. The entire family, just amazing. I'm going with Corda in this one too, Craig, because he's hot. And I always like the hot player over someone who has been sitting around on the beach with his beautiful wife. Yes, Flavia, how are you, dear? Good to see you again. Anyway, continue on here. We've got the 13th seed, Garen. And he's taking on my boy, Marin Silic. And Silic went three sets, which is no surprise. And he beat Coria in three. Garen's coming off a bye. He's the 13th seed. Who do you like in this one? I want to say Silic based on history, but um, I'm, I'm not sure. Like, Martin Silic is struggling to get back to where he's been in previous years. You know, Martin Silic is a, a Grand Slam winner at the US Open. Right. He's won uh, plenty of big titles, but he, he's coming up against a guy in Garin who's uh, another player. He's, he's relatively young. He's only 24. He's got a, a nice upside. He's... Uh, South American, so maybe he's more suited to the the clay court play than, than he is here. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna stay with Chilich. Um, I I think he's just got enough to see it through on a hard court surface, and this is a kind of match that will those that'll suit Chilich. I, I think you know he's got that big serve, and he, he can come into the net and play there. I think he'll maybe cause Garin too many problems on this surface, so. You know, this might be one where you've got this young guy who's ranked really highly against an older guy who maybe the, the odds on this one's going to sit in favor of going for Silic anyway. So that's where I'm going to go. I like that call because, you know, this is a difficult kind of event for someone who would play clay. The courts are much faster. The ball bounces a little higher. Silic is a vet, like you said. He knows how to play on these kind of surfaces. He also knows how to take advantage of these guys, these clay court guys. He likes to do that. He's huge. That being said, Garen has a nice return to serve, like most of the uh, clay quarters. This is going three sets, probably. Usually, that's what happens with Silich in big servers, like John Isner. Uh, Riley Opelka is another one. He likes to go three sets. I'm going to stay with Silich because Silich has made me a ton over the years. Plus, he's a nice kid. And he's got a big gun. You know, it reminds me of me a little bit, Craig, sort of. Um, except his serve probably was more powerful than mine because he's six freaking ten. Can you imagine returning serve against a six foot ten guy? I probably wouldn't be tall enough to get back to the ball, to be honest, once it's bounced. Right. You know, I remember uh, playing against a guy named David Wheaton, who was pretty tall, if you remember him. And it was a wild experience because... He's basically coming down before the ball, before he hits the ball, because he's so freaking tall. But uh, I think Silic is going to take this one, too. It just seems to me that Silic is a good battler, and he battled Korea, another hard quarter. So I think he should be all right. Now, this one is a disappointing one, because I was back in Michael Momo, and uh, he lost to Musetti. And now Musetti takes on Benoit Paris, who is the 23rd seed. And coming off a bye, Craig. Who do you like in this one? I have to admit, um, Benoit Parry, I'm never going to back this guy again. Right, I know you um, are. Yeah. The, the, the comments that this guy made through the week, that he's just turning up for the money um, because he 
he's finding it very, very difficult to get around the restrictions that are in place at these tournaments. So everyone knows that there are COVID protocols in place. The players have got to follow the procedures. Otherwise, they are uh, withdrawn from the tournament. Um, Benoit Poir, it pretty much came out in the press. In fact, he did come out in the press and said that uh, he's turning up to events to take the money and go home after the first round. Um, so I, I can't offer anyone advice on backing Benoit Poiré. This man's just picking up his money. He doesn't, you know, he's not playing in the spirit of competition. So why why would I back this guy? You know what? I, I leave his matches alone after he said that too. It's not that he won't beat Musetti, and he probably will. It's just I don't want to waste anybody's time or money gambling on this kid. You know, when they tell you things like this and they say it out loud, you know, back in my day, they used to say that privately. The best way to tell someone wasn't interested, stay in the player's hotel and watch who checks out in the morning. Watch which coach checks out in the morning because that usually meant he knew his player wasn't going to go all the way. You know what I mean? Give it 100%. He was probably trying to make a plane to catch another event or, or an exhibition. I'm leaving this match alone, but I guess if I had to pick a winner, I would have to pick Paris because he just that's just him but we'll leave him be yeah keep that in mind too folks no matter how far this kid goes in his career don't waste your money or your time on he's just a wasted time and I had high hopes for him too here we go this one here is going to be fun we got Fusakovic Fusovic I'm sorry I always spell that pronounce that wrong and he's playing against Thanasis Kokonakis Kokonakis is coming off a straight set win over someone I have never heard of, and he's taking on the 29 seed. Who do you like in this one? Yeah, I like Kokonakis here. I think when he's fit, like he's really, really good. I just don't know if he's going to be fit. Um, but if he's fit, I, I think I'll be backing him here. Can I tell you a secret? Can I do that? I think you could. I think I should. You know, when Kokonakis and Nick Kyrgios were in juniors, the one they talked about the most was Kokonakis. Kokonakis could play. You made a great point. When he's healthy and he hasn't been for the last two or three years, he's tough to beat. He's a fighter, too. I'm going with Kokonakis all the way, and you're going to get plus money on this one for sure. Take Kokonakis. Always go with the Greeks, especially right after the Bicentennial. Okay, here we go. This one here is an interesting one. We've got Tennis Sangren. Versus Andre Rublev. Sangren had a walkover against Martinez, and Rublev is the fourth seed, and he got a bye. Who do you like in this one, Craig? Yeah, Rublev. He's just too tough. He's the sort of kid that can play anywhere. You know, you can have him playing out in uh, zero degree weather, it's freezing, or you can play him 40 degree heat, and he'll be fine. He's just that tough, um, and he's that good. I think he is. I agree with you. I was disappointed in his his uh, performance at the U.S. Open. If you remember, that cost us a bit. But uh, And I like Tennis Sandgren. I think he's a guy who can make big upsets. But I don't think it's going to be a big upset this weekend. I think Rublev walks away with this. It might be too much for you to bet on, though, because his, he's probably going to be well over a 1,400 favorite. So we'll see. Now, this one here could get interesting, too. Because you got Denis Shapovalov, who's the sixth seed, coming into this tournament off a of bye, or this match off a of bye, and he's taking on Ivashka, who just came off three sets against the Taiwan player Kwan. Who do you like in this one? 
Uh, Shapovalov will win it, but again, there's probably not going to be a lot of value in this. Um, he'll be so highly ranked that uh, you're not going to get a good price to back him. Um, I don't even see it going three sets. I think it'll be quite comfortable. It'll be straight sets. It's on a hard court. It's a sort of surface that Shapovalov favors. Uh, he's playing against the sort of players that he tends to do really well against. He's really solid. He's going to make it uh, you know, to the quarterfinals at least. I would think so. I, I happen to agree with you on this. I like Shapovalov's game a lot. I like this Ivashka kid, though. He's a fighter, you know, but he had a tough time with Kawan. Ivashka's got a nice serve, by the way. But Shapovalov, Shapovalov knows how to play at hard courts. Like you mentioned, it's a good fit. It's a good surface. It's probably his favorite. And that forehand of his is going to go off a few times on those nice, medium, fast paced courts down in Miami. Now, here's another one here. This one could be weird because Kudla, a young fella from the United States, he knocked off Francis Jeremy Chardy in three sets, and now he has to play Hercax, who drew a bye and is the 26th seed in this event, Craig. Who do you like in this one? I quite like this Hercax. I'm never really sure if I should back him in the second week when he gets there, but... um. First week, I, I like to, to ride on him a bit and get some money out of him. So that's what we're going to try here. I'm, I'm probably going to take him in this one. And I think it would be an interesting little match if he was to come up against Shapovalov in the next round. You know, you're right. And, and Craig said something about the second week. You have to remember, this is a, the fifth major on the tour, really. And they play two weeks almost. So uh, that's why he said that. He knows what he said. Basically, what he's saying is after the third round of a regular tour event, you don't want to back him. Am I, am I wrong in saying that? No, that's about the, the, the stage where he, he becomes like too difficult to have that certainty that he's going to deliver for you. It depends on the draw that he gets. But, um, you know, up against Shapovalov, I'm, I'm, I just don't see it. it it'll be close, but um, he's, he's never really breach that um, confidence level with me that he's going to go further. You know what? I like Kudla, though. He had a nice... He did a nice job returning serve against Shardy the other night. But Hercax is experienced. He's probably enjoying the sunshine in Miami. He's not one of those guys who cries. He just goes out there and plays because he wants to play. Those are the kind of guys you love backing. I think this is going to be a tough one to back financially because in the event that Kudla does come through... That's going to cost you a lot of money, I think, because Hercax is going to be an overwhelming favorite. Now, this one here could be good, too. I, I might try to find a way to watch this one. We've got Umber. He drew a bye. He's the 20th seed, and he's playing Sousa. Sousa came off a three-setter against O'Connell the other night, your boy from the U.K. What do you like in this one? Ooh. Yeah, um... huh? Yeah, Umber is one of those young players. He's got a, like another one with a massive upside on him. You, you you really want to back him because he could go places. He's also a lefty as well, which is uh, you know always a little bit awkward to play against. My fear though is he's not been in particularly great form. Um, he's sort of like five and five for the year, so. He's uh, he's winning a match and then he's he's losing a match sort of thing. He had a, he had a good win in Marseille against Songa, but you know it's difficult to judge on that because Songa's not really fit at the minute. Um, he's already lost this year to Shardy uh, and to Hughes Herbert, so it's kind of like mm, 
Not sure. He, 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 he went five sets with Nick Kyrgios and lost at the Australian Open. So, you know, that, that was an impressive performance. But uh, uh, let's go with Humber in this first round and see how he goes. But um, I'm not confident I'll be jumping on him next round. You know, that's fair, too. I like Seuss's game, though. He, he showed some great composure. He almost threw it away. You know, he won the second set 7-5. The first two sets were tiebreakers, but he came through with the break at the right time. Umber, man, he is impressive, isn't he, sometimes? That forehand cracks. It sings. You know, that's how you can tell the winners, boy. Those forehands sing. They don't just sound thumping. They don't just go... They freaking sing. And he is one of those kids who can make the ball sing, But I, and I think he's going to get past Sousa. I think it's going to be closer than some expect. I like Sousa. Don't get me wrong, but Umber, this is a tough matchup for him. If he had a tough time with O'Connell, he's going to have a real nightmare with Umber. So I'm going to go with Umber to win this game. Now this matchup here, oh geez, we're going to see a tie. We're going to see three sets in this one. We've got a young fella from Great Britain, Thompson. Your boy Thompson. He's playing a young Milos Raonic, the 12th seed, who's coming off a bye. Thompson went seven six six four against Del Bonis, which I thought was a great win for him. But can he stay in there with the young fellow Raonic? No. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Tell you, I'll tell you what, Raonic is playing some real nice stuff, you know. The last 18 um, months he has. So like he's uh, coming back into form, he's really rejuvenated himself over the last few years. Uh, I've just been really impressed with Raonic and um he did really well at the Australian Open against Djokovic. Uh, lost out to him in the end, but but it was a good run for him. He's 5-3 and three this year. I, I'm just going to be riding on this guy for the next couple of rounds, and I think there's going to be a real good uh, match, possibly between um, the two Canadian players, Raonic and Shapovalov, later in this tournament, and, and I can't wait to see how far Raonic goes. Yeah, you know what? I agree. He's just been phenomenal. For him, I mean. Remember when, when he first came on the tour? That's how long we've been doing this show. I used to call him Young Raonic. Young Milos. But Young Milos ain't so young anymore. And this Thompson kid from wherever. Oh, I'm sorry. He's from Australia. I wanted to say your neck of the woods, and that was a mistake. I'm going to go with Raonic. I don't think you're going to be able to play this one money-wise because that spread and the odds are going to be horrific. But I don't see how he doesn't get past this kid. That's a fact. Now we've got Diminuer from Australia against Gallen from Chile, right? Chile? Is that where he's from? Um, let's have a look. I think he's from uh, Colombia. Colombia, okay. Well, he came off straight sets wins over Sabolth Wild. So uh, this could be good. What do you like about this match? Manure is the... Uh, 15th seed and coming off a of bye, Craig. Yeah, good player, Diminer. Um Probably the one that's kind of slipped through the the, the net, if you want to put it that way, in, in terms of Aussie players. Um, he's probably not got the biggest stature. I think he's he's about six foot tall, but he's he's not a particularly heavy hitter. Um, he's, he's definitely a runner. He's, he's got defensive play. He's uh, only 22 years old, and he's off to a good start this season. He's 8-5. and five. Um, Didn't have the best time at the Australian Open, unfortunately. He lost out to uh, Fognini in straight sets in, in what we thought was going to be one of the uh, tougher games for Fognini in the, the early going. Um, 
his losses this year have all come to, to pretty pretty high profile guys. I mean, you lost out um, after that in Rotterdam to Kane Nishikori, and we know Nishikori's been up the rankings uh, a bit. Um, but he, he does need to, to turn things around away from Australia. So I think this is going to be a close first round match, but I think Dimoneur is probably going to edge it. Yeah, I'll stick with that. I don't know much about this kid, Gollin. I didn't even know where he was from, to be honest. But Dimoneur, I hate to say this and use these terms, but I think he's due. He's very consistent. These are good. This is a great surface for him. Not a good surface, a great one. And I think he squeaks through. And you might even be able to get him at a decent price. Now, here we go. We got Fratangelo, the young American versus Soniga. Who do you like here, Craig? Soniga's coming off a bye. And he uh, and Fratangelo knocked off Fernando Verdasco in straight sets. Good to see Fernando back on the tour, by the way. What do you think about this matchup here with Fratangelo and Sonigo? I think this is a big chance for Fratangelo to, uh, you know, make a little progress here. I know Fratangelo, he's ranked outside the top 200 at the minute. So, you know, every match he plays, is uh, it's going to be a struggle. Um, but um, I don't think Sonego's gotten off to the best start this season. I do recall him losing to Taylor Fritz in, I think it was Doha. Yep. Might have um, yeah, um, I think he, so. He yeah, there. he lost to Tommy Paul because I, I I backed him to beat Tommy Paul at Rotterdam. Oh, right. So he's uh, yeah yeah he's 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 not done me well this season. So I'm not going to be touching this one. But I, I I quite fancy the American player on on American soil to uh, cause a little bit of an upset here. Well, I think I'm going to back the American because I think he's going to bury this Sonigo. You know, normally, you say he's ranked outside the top 200. They wouldn't even be seated. But so many players have dropped out, not attending, didn't want to bother with the travel, or couldn't travel. Gave this one a pass. But Sonigo, he's not he's not playing well at all. Um, I had Tommy Paul the night he lost. So I was pretty happy about that. I'm a big Tommy Paul fan, as you know. I go with Frantangelo. You're probably going to get plus money on it. And I think this kid smacks him because I like the way he played against Verdasco. Because even though Verdasco is 37 years old and hasn't played much in the last couple seasons, he's still Fernando Verdasco, who's tough as hell. And I don't care what anybody says. That kid's tough. Now we've got we got a lot of matches to go yet, Craig. Kay Nishikori drew a bye. He's the 20 AC, which has a lot, which actually reinforces what I just said. And he's taking on Bidane. What are we gonna do here? Because I have a hard time backing Nishikori. Well, I'm going to let you in on a secret. Nishikori beat Bidane in the last tournament in Dubai 6-4-6-4, so I'm going to back Nishikori. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm going to leave this one alone, but Bidane came off um, a three-setter over Fabiano, and that wasn't a bad win for him. But we move on. Yep. Take Nishikori. Craig's usually right about these things. Now, the last men's match before we head on over to the women's side of this thing, We've got Zoomer, and he's taking on the second seed, Stefanos Sisipas. All right, I'm just going to switch the channel here because I already know who's going to win this match. Yeah, there's not really any point offering any uh, betting tips on this one because uh, you're not going to get a price on it. You aren't going to get any price anymore on Stefanos Sisipas unless he plays against Nadal, Djokovic, Medved- Daniel Medvedev, or Federer. That's probably it. 
Now, we got some fun here on the ladies' side of things. Now, this is the third round for the ladies. Ashley Barty, who has, came off a big three-set win over Kukova, she's taking on Jelena Ostapenko, the number one seed, Barty. What are you going to do here, Craig? Oh, man, I've stopped backing Ostapenko. Like, I like Ostapenko. Right. And she hits a ball, like, really, really hard. But uh, I can't back Ostapenko because she can have one of those days where she hits it really hard and just never hits a court. Um, and that happens to me far too often when I back her. So I'm going to go on Barry and uh, I'm going to see how that goes. I'm not going to touch this one, but Ostapenko has the type of game that makes the backdrop nervous. Because you're right. When she when she's stroking the ball well, she's tough because she can serve too, remember? But there are a lot of times when the ball kids start running when she hits because they know they're going to get drilled. So you probably uh, want to bail on that one. I'm going to anyway. I can't back Ashley Barty, dude. I, she cost me in the Australian Open, and I'm still pissed off about that. Now this match here is going to be really good because you got Angeliki Kerber taking on Victoria Azarenka. Now, Kerber is the 24 seed. She beat Zerazua in straight sets. She actually won 6-love, six 6-love, six a double bagel. Good for her. And Azarenka got a walkover against Sigmund. Who do you like in this one? This will be the one that I'm not touching, but uh, I, if I was going to touch it, it'll be Azarenka. I, I just think she's got a bit more than Kerber. Kerber's on a bit of a slide. She's had her time at the top, and you know we did well with Kerber. We identified her way, way back in 2011 when no, she was you playing. No, you did. Yeah, we did. We saw her. We saw something in her. Um, you know, the big hitting game, and we thought, you know, she's got a chance of winning a slam in future. And then five, six years later, she's cashed in. I think she's <laughs> Do you remember that? Now. <laughs> that was the happiest tweet I ever sent. I said, Craig, she finally did it. <laughs> yeah, oh. we, we, we got on again and again, and we made some money there, you know. Um, but uh, I think, like, she's on the slide a little bit now, and um, she's still ranked in the top 30. Uh, but I, I like Kazarenka. Um, just not enough that I'm going to jump on it and, and back her. I'm going to back Vika. I'm going to take Azarenka in this one. I like the way she's playing. I like the fact that she's still playing, and I think she's taking it seriously. You know, she had a baby, and she's trying her best. I think the glam girl is gone, and the wham girl is here. And I think she's going to send Miss Kerber packing on Saturday. I think that's when they play, Saturday or Sunday. Now, this is another one that could be real interesting because all the ladies' matches are interesting. I like them better than the men now. Belinda Bencic is the 11th seed, and she's taking on Von Derusova, the 19th seed. Bencic is coming off a strong win over Diaz. That was a big win for her. And Von Derusova, she's coming off a straight setter over Wang. Who do you like in this one? Um, I like Benchich. I always like Benchich. She always seems to let me down at the last hurdle, though, but she's good for the early rounds, so I'm, I'm quite happy to try, try her here again. Hey, why not? You know what? Benchich is a nice player. Vanda Rusova is not bad either, though. They're both seeded in the top. They're both seeded. Benchich is the 11th seed. Vanda Rusova is the 19th seed. But if you want to talk about players with the least amount of time on the court, Benchich just rolled Diaz. I mean, it wasn't even close. 
I'm going to side with your pick. I'm going to go with Benchic to win too. I know that is no surprise to you. All right, here we go. This one could be good. All these matches on the ladies' side are great. Kudermatova, the 32nd seed and a rising girl against Sabalenka, the 7th seed. Sabalenka had to go straight or three sets with Pirinakova. And Kudermatova knocked off Danielle Collins in straights. She worked her big time. What are you going to do here? Yeah, that was a, a big win for uh, Kudermatova. Oh, sure it uh, was. Against sure it Collins. Was. Sure it was. Um, it, it's, you know, that, that match with Sabalenka and Pirinakova the other day was just crazy. I mean, Sabalenka is usually quite a solid bet to, to jump on in the early tournament, but she lost that first set six love. Yeah. Huh? And then she she came back and battled through. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna actually uh, I, I'm gonna go against the grain here, and I'm gonna try Kudermatova for a change. I, I've never really backed her, but um, now it's not, you know I'm looking to make some money here. You're going to get a good price on this. She's playing some good stuff. Let's have a go on uh, Kudermatova and see how see how she does. I think you're right. You know, I like the way she handled Danielle Collins, and I had actually lost on that one because I thought Danielle Collins would come through. I really did after her first-round match against Mia Danovich. That was a good match, and she didn't. And Sabalenka, Sabalenka scared the living daylights out of me the other night. Because that bagel in the first set, that didn't go well. And then she came back good. But that third set, that tiebreaker, I don't like Sabalenka in tiebreakers. If it goes to a tiebreaker, I think Kudermatova has a better serve. I'm with you. Let's go with Kudermatova to win this one. I don't think Sabalenka is going to have that many answers for her. And she's playing really well. Another terrific match. Simona Halep, the third seed. She had to go three sets with Caroline Garcia. But she won. she dropped the first set. Then won six four six love, and she plays Sevastova, who knocked off Coco Goff in three sets six two six three in the last two. So who do you like here? Well, that's disappointing, isn't it? Because we were all looking forward to seeing the improvements that Coco Goff's been making. Oh, but, stop! Uh, Don't get me started. It was uh, we're three already sets over again, our time allotment. <laughs> okay, okay, uh, Halep. Uh, just yeah, focus, player. Craig. We're already over our time limit. We're going to get yelled at, but who cares? Go ahead. Um, Halep, there's not much to say. Halep's just really solid. You know what? I think you're right, but I would say... Now, this is what I would say, though. I would say you might benefit from playing the over here because Sevastova hasn't played poorly. She, But both her matches have been three sets. Halep went three sets the other night. This is going to go over, if anything. That's where your money is, because I can't back Sevastova. She broke my heart in Australia, that little girl. Anyway, we got... Now, this one here could be crazy, because we've got a wild card, Kunja, and she's taking on your girl, Svitak. Who are you liking this one? Yeah, it will be uh, on Svitak here. Yes. She's just uh, really good. Um, hard court surface, I think, will be nice for her serve as well. She hits the ball nicely through the court, nice and flat. So I'll be uh, backing her, certainly, in this round. Yeah, you know what? I agree. There's no reason not to, really. Svitak could win this tournament, I think. If you're going to play a long shot for a winner, that would be it. And I don't think she's a long shot. I think she could be a favorite. But the bookies don't agree. And that's okay. We're here to beat the books. 
Petra Kitova and Ioana Kanta. Ioana Kanta seems to have overcome that horrific U.S. Open where she was bombarded about Black Lives Matter, if you remember. She actually took one out, took a black person out in the first set, win three, and then she's got a, she won in straight sets over Lynette, and she's playing Petra Kitova, who is playing pretty damn good. Big win over Elise Cornette, straight sets. Who are you like in this one? Well, most people who listen to the show know that I don't back Johanna Conta. I don't think she's very good, to be honest. Um, <laughs> she's just another player who can go on a streak some weeks and, and she'll be all right. But mentally, I don't think she's capable of winning a big tournament. Um, Kvitova wins big tournaments, so we'll be backing Kvitova here. My apologies, Johanna Conta did not play uh, Miss Montgomery from the United States. She got a bye that round. Montgomery lost to Lynette, who then Conta beat in straights. I cannot back Ioana Conta, and I have several times to my own chagrin. I must go with Petra Kitova. She's just too good for this. She looks good out there to do also. I mean, she looks like she's comfortable. That's the key. Watch these players. Look how comfortable they are, because most of them aren't. If you read the newspapers, you're going to see them crying and complaining about the conditions. They can't go anywhere. They can't do anything. Whatever. Miss Alexandrova, that's one of my favorites, and she's taken on Svitolina, the fifth seed. Alexandrova, she defeated Podroska in straight sets, and Svitolina had a tough one. Shelby Rogers, our big surprise, and knocked off Madison Bringle in the first round, fell in three sets to Svitolina. Who you got in this one? I'm sticking with Svitolina. Beating Shelby Rogers, is, uh, is, that's a big win, actually. No matter where you're seated, um, Shelby Rogers has been playing some nice stuff. Um, she's, she, you know, she come over that win with Brown Girl and then that close match with uh, Svitolina in the in the second round. Now, that's a big win for Svitolina, and I think she'll produce the same against Alexandrova in the third round. You know, she Alexandrova coasted that second set with Podoroska, and, and I think that she can't afford to do that against Svitolina. Although Svitolina hasn't exactly been very favorable to us over the years. But you know what? You got to go with Svitolina. Again, this one could go three sets, too. Consider the over in this one. Now, what do we got here? Is that it? Is that it, I think we're done, yeah. Wow. We've still got second round matches, and we're coming up to, I think it might be a misprint because it says Sloane Stevens on my screen, but I'm not sure she's got that far. Um, I know she has. She's won a match. Yes, she did. And you know what? I know this is going to sound strange, but I backed her in round one, and I'm going to back her again today. But uh, outside of that, this is a great tournament. You know, this show, and we say this all the time, but this show has been printing money for over a decade. I mean, we give out more winners for free than anyone. And we're going to continue that because it's the coronavirus season, and we don't know what's going to happen half the time. But if you played every one of our picks, $100 each play, you'd be up well over $6,000, maybe even more. That's just a rough estimate. We've, we have a 75% success rate in this sport. And if you don't believe us, just listen to our podcast. We give out the picks right there. There's your documentation that ain't going anywhere. Great stuff today, partner. Well done. We're, we're probably going to get yelled at, but we had to get the ladies in. We had to give them their fair time too, right? Well, unlike other places, we do that on this show. You know, We're all about equality here. All about equality. Big Title IX supporter is Phil Nasons. For Craig Doyle, I am Phil Nasons. Thanks for listening to This Week in Tennis.
This Week in Tennis.